Hey everyone! Sorry for the long hiatus, but we've been working on some new stuff. First of all, we've soft launched Tech Buzz China Insider, which is a paid community for investors, operators, and anyone else interested in getting into the weeds of China tech. Our slogan is to build the smartest community for China tech on the internet, and we're offering timely news, insightful analyses, a panel of experts, members-only events, and basically the most thoughtful place for learning about China tech while building relationships with other like-minded individuals. So, if this sounds good to you, please go to techbuzzchina.com/insider to apply. We do have a brief entrance quiz you must take and pass, but if you're a regular TechBuzz listener, we're pretty sure you'll pass it with flying colors. And we're also releasing a series of live casts. As the name suggests, live casts are conversations that are recorded live and then edited for your listening pleasure. Some of these chats are open to the public, and we welcome you to join us. So be sure to follow us on Twitter or sign up for our mailing list to get notified. And today's episode is actually one of them. It's an edited version of our webinar with Big One Lab, the leading alternative data firm in China. We have a quarterly partnership where they share with our listeners, like yourself, some of the most interesting data-driven analyses on China tech. Big One was founded in 2016 and has quite a complete suite of data products to track the operational metrics of the most followed companies in China. Like the ones we will talk about today, that's ByteDance, Meituan, Pinduoduo, and more. They're a regular advisor to my old employer, Morgan Stanley China, and their data is truly superb. If you're interested in learning more, please go to BigOneLab.com for more information. In today's episode, we had the pleasure of talking to Robert Wu, Big One's head of research on the current state of China's e-commerce, beginning with an update on community group buying, which we covered back in TechBuzz episode 80. We then talk about the broader competitive landscape between the now six major e-commerce platforms: that's JD, Meituan, Alibaba, Pinduoduo, Douyin, and Kuaishou. And at the very end, we do a little bit of a deep dive into. How Douyin and Billy Billy work in their respective video businesses, and how that shows up in their overlap of creators. So, let's get started. The president's key economic team goes to China.、Uh, after a whole night thinking, I say I still want to do it. <laughs> Hi everyone. We are Tech Buzz China by Pan Daily, powered by the Seneca Podcast Network by Sub China. We're regular podcasts focused on giving you a peek into what's buzzing within the tech community in China. We uncover and contextualize unique insights, perspectives, and takeaways on headline tech news that don't always make it into English language coverage, so you can be smarter about the world of China tech. Today, it's just me, your co-host Ray Ma. I really want to thank those of you who subscribe to our YouTube channel, which is located at youtube.com/slash-techbuzzchina, and I also want to thank those of you who gave us a review on Apple Podcasts. We're now really, really close to 200. However, we're still looking for more reviews. So, if you like today's episode or any of our episodes, please take the time and leave us a review on iTunes or wherever you get your podcasts. Thank you so much. 
Thanks, Rob. Thanks so much for being here. Sure. Hi, everyone. This is Robert Wu, founder and head of research at Big One Lab. We have more than 60 team members now. Most of us are data engineers, data analysts, scientists, and product managers. So we were founded by former members of other fintech and data company like Epic Data, Bloomberg, BlackRock, etc. And we were also backed by S&P Global. We are actually the first, and right now actually the only Chinese company ever invested by S&P Global. Tell us a little bit more about the data products that you offer at Big One. We offer data products in the format of terminal, a web-based terminal where you can log in and check out our data. We also have customized data offerings, API deliveries. We also offer reports and sessions like this to our clients. We mainly serve institutional investors at the moment. We also start to serve more and more of the corporates as well. We're pretty strong in the e-commerce side, so we cover not only household names, Tmall, JD. We also cover emerging e-commerce platforms like Douyin, Kuaishou, which I would refer to during this presentation. We also cover other e-commerce、uh, platforms across Asia Pacific area, like Macari of Japan, Shopee and Tokopedia in Southeast Asia, and we are also covering this whole sector, the CGB community group buying. We are pretty strong on the entertainment side. We cover all of the most relevant live streaming, video, short and long video platforms in China, including Douyin and Kuaishou. So I know for community group buying, which is basically group purchase online and next day self pickup of groceries and other items in rural China right now, we actually did a whole Tech Buzz episode on it. That's episode eighty. For those of you who don't know it. I know that you guys at Big One have a whole dashboard on it now. We've been tracking this more than one year ago, actually. One advantage we have compared with some of our peers is that beyond public market funds, hedge funds, mutual funds, we are also helping a lot of private equities and venture capital funds, mostly in China, looking out for deals, looking out for emerging sectors. So that help us to investigate the sector way before the wider public has paid attention to this. We're actually lucky enough to join the due diligence efforts of top independent players like Xinchen Select and Shihuituan or Nicetuan. So we start to track these data from pretty early on, from last September when all these major internet companies they jump into this game. We also start to track them instantly. Currently, we track nine of the leading platforms. Okay, so what is the first piece of data that you think we should look at when it comes to community group buying? First, when we look at this, because we cover all of these platforms, one thing we could do is to try to estimate what is the total addressable market of this sector, and what is right now the penetration rate. What kind of the room for growth for this sector? So we sum up all the GMV that we've been tracking from all these platforms, and we compare them with. Official statistics: the top two provinces right now are the southern province of Guangdong and the central province of Hunan. And in these two provinces, total CGB value account for between two to four percent of fresh grocery and FMCG sales. For most of the provinces, this penetration rate is either one percent or less. For most of them, they are actually smaller than zero point five percent. So right now we're really at the early stage of this business model, and we do see a lot of room for growth. So yeah, it sounds like if you believe that 
rural Chinese people are going to be buying everyday products online via CGB, community group buying. And this is a viable model, then I think you can definitely make the case that there's a really long way to go still for the sector. So, okay, can you share with us what the Q1 market share data looks like, especially geographically? For Q1, the largest province is still Hunan, but we start to see the gap between Hunan and Guangdong start to grow. Right now, actually, if you just look at the end of March, Usually Guangdong is now bigger than Hunan. As more and more players are investing a lot of their resources into this province. Very popular. And it's one of the rich provinces, basically. And several things stand out to us. First, the independent players like Xingsheng, Shihuituan, and Tongchen, they still are big players in many of the key provinces. In the biggest province of Hunan, Xingsheng still dominates. And this kind of several months ago, when these internet companies, they were start to invest heavily into this. Many people are afraid because of this huge subsidies, programs, high pressure strategies that Xinjiang may lose their strongholds in the provinces they start from, especially Hunan and Hubei as well. But it turns out Xinjiang is still pretty strong. If you look at the prices, if you look at the ASP, the ASP of their goods only trend down slightly compared with say half a year ago. So they somehow they managed to hold on to what they have built, a tight-knit networks of communities across different layers of regions, like from the provincial level to the city, to the prefectures, to the counties, to the villages. They managed to do that. And their community organizers stay loyal and their consumers stay loyal in the provinces, they were strongest and they're still strong now. Similar things happen for often overlooked player like Tongchen Life and also for Shihuituan. They're right now also among the leading players in the province of Guangdong. Among the top internet players, Meituan seems to have a significant share from most of the provinces. It seems like this is where their networks of the distributors, their agents in the food delivery age, this is when the network starts to show the value. Their growth are of high quality across all the provinces. We also try to measure the efficiency of what they call the central warehouses, the Zhongxingcang. So each player use a central warehouse to manage and to cover a group of cities. So the one that has the most central warehouses is Chengxing. They actually have 115 central warehouses by end of February, while Meituan have 84, Dodo has 75. And if you compare per warehouse per day units sold, Meituan is the highest, close to 200,000 units sold per day per warehouse, compared with only 124,000 for Duoduo. Chengxing, by the way, is Didi's initiative. It's like a play on words of their company color, which is orange. And also, it happens to be sort of a homonym for the word for sincerity. But yeah, tell us more about Chengxing. Chengxing is actually the lowest Chengxing right now is very heavily centered around selling fresh groceries. Almost all of what they sell is fresh groceries, while other platforms are already progressing toward non-grocery sales. So the more fresh groceries you have, the more demand for warehouse capabilities, especially central warehouses, and you become more fragmented. One thing we look at is the SKU composition, and we do see very different strategies between different platforms when it comes to what they sell. So this is the top 20 selling SKUs in the last week of March of Xingsheng. Most of the top selling SKUs goods here are branded items. 
top Chinese milk products like Mengniu and Yili. And actually, the 19th product here is Maotai. This is actually remarkable because when you look at, say, when you think about CGB, you think about replacement for the wet markets. But when you look at the realities, actually, the top selling goods now are usually the branded items and even some high quality branded goods like Maotai, the Chinese top super premium baijiu brand. And this is actually Meituan and Dodo also have similar patterns. If you just compare with Chengxing, this is also the top 20 selling goods for the last week of March. And you see the fresh goods everywhere. The top two are the durians and you also have shrimps, uh, oranges. Eggs are actually the most popular grocery items in all of these platforms. They're just very standardized and they are very easy to be used as a marketing tool. So Didi's Chengjing Selected is still a pretty much a platform for selling fresh foods. It could be due to the fact that they are actually one of the weakest players in terms of their supplier resources. If you look at another independent player, Tuan, they're actually also one of the earliest CGB players. Then you see a totally different pictures as well. Among their top 20, it's almost all iPhones. They still are selling fresh foods, but you cannot even find fresh foods among the top 20 selling goods. So this could be good or it could be bad. It could be good because this is why everyone's paying attention to community group buying, right? It's because it's starting with such high frequency purchases, groceries. And then, of course, it's probably going to be a stepping stone for broader e-commerce. Then there's the question of whether this being done too early? Are people going into broader e-commerce too early? Is that something that should be resorting to at this very, very early stage in the process? And whether it's a brushing just to drive up the GMVs, because in terms of units sold, Shihuituan is like less than half, even like one third in terms of the sizes, in terms of units sold compared with the top player like Meituan. But in terms of GMV, it already has reached about 60% of the top player. When you look at all these players, they really have very different strategies. And it seems that personally, I think maybe right now the best choice is actually a good balance of fresh groceries, branded goods, and not to just resort to any one uh, segment or category at this particular stage, a very early stage. Okay, so now we're done with all the data on community group buying. By the way, that surprised me quite a bit, especially on those best-selling products. So what do you have prepared for us on e-commerce generally? E-commerce. The competitive landscape has totally changed from about two years ago. We are not only seeing the CGB, we are seeing Pinduoduo, we're seeing live streaming e-commerce disrupting the field. We are also start to see O2O platforms, the Insta sales platforms like Meituan and Dots are also disrupting the game. So this is very exciting time for the sector. So we also did this analysis comparing all of these platforms because we started to track all of them. We track Pinduoduo's branded sales. Just one footnote here, Pinduoduo is really notorious to track. Just give all of us a sense of what are the sizes of top emerging e-commerce platforms. And here I specifically pay attention to Douyin and Kuaishou because these are the two lesser known e-commerce platforms. If you look at the Douyin e-commerce here, and this is the monthly GMV since we ever are able to track this since last July. In terms of monthly GMV, there has been a tripling growth from July to January, so half a year. To January, it's around 6 billion USD of GMV for that month. 
And this is happening just within less than two years of the start of Douyin e-commerce. Huishou e-commerce also has similar sizes. And Huishou e-commerce, we only account for the e-commerce that take place on Huishou itself. We're not counting the sales from Huishou to Taobao yet. So if we take that into account, Kuaishou right now could be larger than Douyin. For those of you listening in and you can't see the slides, basically for the month of February, Big One is estimating that Douyin is actually up to 19% of Tmall revenues and Kuaishou is at 13%. So this is just one month, but we can see that there's a pretty clear growth trend. And we also know from other reports generally that these platforms are just doing really sizable GMB now. And I guess this data from Big One really confirms that. But Rob, tell us, what are people selling on there? People are curious what they're selling uh, these live streaming e-commerce platforms. We compare the category composition with the more established platforms like Tmall and JD. So a few things stand out really. For Douyin, it's, it's still not a very balanced structure. The top three categories, clothing, F&B, personal care and makeup, they still account for over 60% of the total sales. This is because these categories, other categories that are easier to be shown, video. But if you look at Kuaishou, Kuaishou have an even less balanced structure. The top one category is actually jewelry and gifts. And if you look closely at it, it's actually mostly gold bars, emeralds. It's actually become a key platform for trading jewelry in China now. And actually, there's a big profit margin there. Whether that's a healthy sign for an established e-commerce platform, that's the question. We also are able to compare the brand on the different platforms. So this is a brand count and brand count composition of three platforms, PDD, JD, and Tmall. We pay all attention to the PDD here. They only have about 4,500 brands right now on PDD. They're really at an early stage of branded sales. And on our platform, we could take out all of these brands and compare their sales across different platforms. And you could see that for some of the brands, especially skincare and sportswear brands, Douyin start to account for a very meaningful portion of the total sales. For Proya, for February, they're accounting for 22%. Fila, 19%. And that's pretty sizable. Douyin starts to be this kind of platform where all these brands, companies are coming in and start to market themselves. And then if you look at Pingodo, it's almost non-existent for most of the brands. And the third, when you look at Milk Diary, Mongniu, Meituan starts to account for a big portion of the total sales. We are seeing more and more of the consumer staples to be sold on these platforms. In terms of the prices, if you look at all these brands, the ASP-wise, they're still the lowest. While Douyin is actually, in terms of prices, they're ranking pretty high. They're comparable to Tmall and JD. So live streaming e-commerce doesn't necessarily mean lower price goods. But if you're selling the same kind of brand on Pingodo, they're definitely right now lower, even sometimes one third of the price you sell on Tmall and uh, JD. So the e-commerce platforms still have pretty different brand mixes and category segments that they dominate in. It seems to be pretty different for each one. That's to be expected, I think, but it's still really interesting to see the differences. However, e-commerce doesn't actually contribute that much revenue yet for Douyin or Kuaishou right now. I mean, these are still primarily entertainment apps. So Rob, I know you actually have one last point on Douyin versus Bilibili that's really relevant to this. It's about their user engagement, right? 
We are tracking most of the short video KOLs on Douyin. We are tracking all of the billies, and we will start to track TikTok by the same methodology. But here, we just take a snapshot of what we've been doing. So here, we're taking out the top 1,000 billies content creators. Actually, we found close to 700 of them also have their accounts and posted contents on Douyin. And actually, their followers on Douyin are way more than what they have billy. If you compare not only the number of followers, but compare with, say, metrics like number of shares, number of comments, number of likes you gather from different platforms, it's also the same picture. So this is actually one big thing we found on Billy. Billy has a kind of a natural ceiling for their content creators. So. At least for the top tier of the KOLs, Douyin posed a significant threat to Billy's growth. That's our conclusion. But I see here that there's a difference between the mid-level KOLs, the ones with the 500,000 to 1 million fans, actually, or even the 100,000 to 500,000 fans, right? And the so-called head KOLs, those with over、uh, 1 million fans. Actually, for the mid-level KOL, the ones with less than one million followers, Billy is actually not doing bad. They're actually higher than Douyin in this. It's only when you get to the top ones, the over one million followers KOLs, and that's about a few thousand of them. You start having a meaningful gap between Douyin and Billy. So that also explains a strength that Billy has. That at least for the mid-level KOLs, the level of engagement of users with their contents more than compensates for the fact that they have a smaller fan base, a smaller traffic compared with Douyin. So at least in that segment, in that mid-level KOL segment, Billy is still quite competitive. Okay, and now we have a few questions from the audience. Hi there. Thanks very much, Robert. Super interesting. I was really surprised that jewelry and gifts was so high in Kuaisho. Do you think of the audience or the user experience on the app? So what I learned is actually for the jewelries, it used to be a very opaque business. It's exceedingly high margin business. So usually in the offline market, the margin could be as much as ninety percent or eighty percent. So there's actually big room for the merchants to just apply some discounts to themselves, and they can just quickly reach a broader audience. And somehow they start a culture on Kuaishou. Where a lot of these jade and jewelry merchants they come in and sell their goods. I think it's partly because there's room for them to still make a profit because of the high margin before, and also the fact that you can imagine the user of a Kuaishou. Most of them are people from the counties, the villages, lower tier cities. Where actually, you know, for them, especially during the spring festival, during the holidays, for them to buy a piece of jewelry is actually a big thing. If you go to these video shows, you will see that there's usually a lot of gambling involved. For example, you just keep dialing some number or keep screenshots on your phone, and if you catch some random number, you have a big surprise, a big prize. So they adopt a lot of these marketing tricks, and just jewelry in general is just easier to be shown. You just with a piece of jewelry here, and it's a great game. It's easier to build a game around it, and it's very interactive. Yeah, thanks for doing this, guys. I just had a quick question about how your data does it try to reconcile for differences in GMV between different e-commerce players, such、yeah. as like order brushing or、um, failed orders for some of these players, or excluding versus including returns. Yeah, that's a very relevant question. 
when we state a GMV, we usually state the net GMV. Net GMV means settled transactions, excluding the return goods. The financial reports usually have the biggest, the widest definition of GMV. For all of the metrics we report here, we do net GMV, and we try to compare our figure with the official GMV. To estimate what we call the net to gross ratio, for most of the time that ratio is pretty stable. Like for example, for the GMV we're tracking on Baba, we usually have about sixty-five percent net to gross ratio compared with what we've been reporting. Yeah, I'm sure it's actually very different, right? I actually have a question myself. I'm super interested because you compared Douyin to Billy Billy for the top a thousand creators, right? What does it look like when you compare them with Kuaisho? Have you tried to do that? Yes, that's something we are working on right now.、Okay. <laughs> there are actually four platforms we pay attention to a lot. There's Billy, there's Douyin, there's Kuaishou, and there's another video platform called Xigua Watermelon Video, also under ByteDance Group. So the first exercise we did is comparing Billy and Xigua, but we find that actually the two platforms they look similarly. But the target groups are actually quite different, so there's very small overlap between the two platforms. Okay, we have one last question from the audience about WeChat channels, the new video product from、uh, within WeChat. So, how do you see that competing with Douyin and Kuaishou? Yes, it does, and it is, but it just have very different logics. It's a very distributed platform. The way they structure it will be never the same thing as, say,、uh, Douyin or Kuaishou, where they have a pretty centralized way of directing their traffic. And WeChat is. All these random content creators, the creator with smaller ambitions, they can still create contents for their friends, for their close associates, and they could still have meaningful interactions. So it's not a place for you to have a super KOL. Definitely, that's for sure. I think in general, it's not a standalone service. It's really part of the WeChat ecosystem that helps people to. Stay on WeChat, and it's not a even in terms of future commercialization efforts. I don't think it's ever going to be a standalone platform. So interesting, you say that. I actually came to roughly the same conclusion when I did the Tech Buzz China livecast with Dan Grover. He's a former WeChat PM, and it's actually our first livecast episode. So you guys should really try to listen to it because we spent a whole hour trying to understand and predict everything to do with WeChat channels. But yeah, the conclusion is that we don't think it's meant to be a Douyin competitor. But we're out of time. Thank you, Rob, for giving us this. Excellent presentation today. I learned a lot, and thanks also to everyone else for tuning in. We can't wait for the next quarterly update to see what Big One Lab will have to bring to us in terms of data-driven analyses from China Tech. Thank you again. But we're out of time today. Thank you so much, Rob, for giving us this presentation today. That's usually only available to institutional investors. To summarize, today we learned, or maybe confirmed for those of you who've been closely watching this space, that the independent players in community group buying or CGB are still pretty competitive. And in the case of Xingsheng, they're actually still leading because they were just earlier than the big platforms, and they're really good at designing what it looks like. Sustainable platform economics, so they're really keeping their group leaders and their user base intact. However, 
the market is still super early. We're talking about less than 0.5% penetration for most of the country. So I'd say it's still anyone's game. And I myself am personally team Meituan because I see this as, you know, operationally, especially logistically intense. And, you know, with today's data, we actually confirmed that Meituan is showing greater warehouse efficiency than some of the other players. So giving them a early lead. However, if you want a more in-depth look, especially at what slightly latecomers JD and Alibaba are doing in CGB, if you want a more in-depth look at what players like JD and Alibaba, giants and e-commerce, at what they're doing in their slightly late efforts, please join our insider community. I cover plenty of that in there. And then the next thing we learned is that true to what we predicted before on TechBuzz and actually on Twitter, this isn't really about groceries so much as it is about rural e-commerce in China. And the next thing we learned is that true to what we predicted before on TechBuzz and on Twitter, this actually isn't really about groceries so much as it is about rural e-commerce. And we can see that in the data of these best-selling items on the platforms that Robert shared. Then we also did go into some detail on how the new e-commerce platforms are doing relative to Tmall, Douyin, and Kuaishou mainly. And we saw that both of them are actually doing double digits as a percentage of total Tmall GMV in the last couple months. And that actually seems to be rising. So that's definitely something you want to be keeping an eye on if you are interested in e-commerce. Of course, there might be some seasonality and promotional campaigns involved, but no doubt these are going to be really, really tremendous disruptive forces that Alibaba and all the other e-commerce giants are going to have to contend with. We saw that Douyin is actually competing more with Billy Billy than I personally realize anyways, at least on the top layer of KOLs. Although Billy Billy actually remains very strong with the middle layer of creators, those who have less than 1 million fans. I think that actually makes a lot of sense though, given what we know about the company. And if you're unfamiliar with it, please go listen to our Tech Buzz China episode 57 on Billy Billy. I think that's it, everyone. Thanks for tuning in, and we can't wait for the next quarterly update. Thanks for listening, guys. Don't forget to write us that review for the podcast, and definitely subscribe to our new Tech Buzz China livecast. If you have any questions or suggestions, email us. We really enjoyed putting this together as always, and we're always open to any comments or suggestions. You can find us on Twitter at the Pandaily at TechBuzzChina, and you can find me at R-U-I-M-A Ray Ma or Ying at YingLu2020. TechBuzzChina by Pandaily is powered by the Seneca Podcast Network on SubChina. Pandaily.com is an English language site that tells you everything about China's innovation. Our producers are Bryce Ye and Kaiser Kuo. Thank you for listening.